tell you a story Gonna tell you about my town I'm gonna tell you a big fat story, baby It's all about my town Yeah, down by the river Down by the banks of the river, Charles Oh, that's what's happening, baby Welcome to the Strange Brew podcast. My name's Jason Barnard, and that was Tony Valentino of the Standells and a new version of Dirty Water. Tony, uh, what a great opportunity to speak to you. Welcome to the Strange Brew. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm, I love it. I have been doing lately a lot of interviews. It's almost all over again, like 50 years ago, you know, and here I am still rock and rolling, you know, what, what can we do? Just can't stop. Yeah, and in terms of this new version, I think you played that um, anthemic riff on on the same guitar. Is that true? Absolutely. I I, yes, I, I created the riff, and uh, actually, I, I played it on my Telecaster, which is at the Grammy Museum. It's in Liverpool. My guitar ah. at the at the Beatles stories at the at Grammy Museum, but I create I created on my Telecaster. I created that riff. Because we recorded Duty Warden, it was nothing. It was just like 
very bland. And um, uh, Dick Dodd, the, the lead singer of the Stay and um, he put up uh, some lyrics about, oh, I want to tell you a story about my town, you know, all that. And I came up with the riff and uh, and that was uh, history, you know, we just like, uh, uh, after, after that, then we decided to release that because it was sitting for about a year ah. because it was just a three chord change. And it was like when we heard it, we recorded, it was nothing really, you know, until I did that riff, you know, and it took off like crazy. All the kids, you know, that were playing. I ran into Steve Lugder from Toto. Not long ago, <laughs> and he said he, he found out that I was in the club. We were in this club, and he come up to me and he bowed. He was bowing at me. I go, "What are you bowing at me for? Are you crazy? You're so such a great guitar player. Come on, you know." But it's still, these days, you know, always I get um, you know kids and people that uh, I go, "Oh, that was my first guitar thing that I learned to play." You know, <laughs> I had no idea. What the hell do I knew? You know. But that's rock and roll. That's the magic of the track, is the it's not just the lyrics that have got a slightly darker undertone at times, and obviously the Boston link, but the sound of the backing to it and, and that riff is it's the magic putting those two together. Yeah, um, uh, it's amazing that we recorded in this garage, on top of this garage, there was no air conditioning. You know, I remember this, it was like that's why they call us garage you know they call garage you know that was the, the really the the initiative punk rock garage rock that i did you know uh, um with that with that guitar but uh and you know i tell you i was son i had my fender i had my fender amp and i and vox given us bunch equipments they sponsored us as a matter of fact i got a great poster on the wall it says uh, the world famous uh, rock and roll used Vox and there's the Beatles, the Stones, the Standells, so many artists from England. And so I got the poster on the wall. And um, I used what I did is I, I was trying to get a kind of a funky sound, you know, like distorted. And, and somehow I was messing with this knob on the, uh, the AC30 Vox had this little round switch that you could switch from 120 to 220, you know, that 110 to 220. Mm. And I, somehow I I switched that the electricity to 20, and all of a sudden I'm getting in this incredible sound on the amp, you know. That was amazing. But that's how I got the sound, that frangy sound that was history. And, and uh, But I was trying to... Like on Good Guys Don't Wear White, I recorded it in Seattle because we had six weeks uh, gig to do in Seattle and the club owner wouldn't let us go because Duty Water was breaking like in, in Orlando, Florida. It became number one within just one week. Bam, was like one, people went crazy. But uh, we were in Seattle, I remember, after we got the news that the reward was breaking and we had finished the album and we recorded some a lot of songs in Seattle, uh, including Good Guys Don't Wear White. Your new version of Sometimes Good Guys Don't Wear White is uh, your next single, isn't it? Yes, sir. It's going to be released on, just found out the news on August 5th. Yeah. 
It's going to be awesome because I really like the song and I made it a notch up a little bit and it is still funky like the original and Big Stir Records are doing a great promotion. They're very excited on, on this project. I, I got good songs. That, I mean, all the, all the songs I did, you know, after 40 years of playing and every night and writing and playing and recording, I go, I'm going to produce this. I'm going to produce myself. I mean, I know how to do this. I've been in studios at Richie Parler with, uh, you know, studios, all, you know, like everywhere, all, all over the place. So I learn a lot, you know, how to record. One, two, three, four. Actually, I was a Sound City 
at one point in the 80s. Mm. And they were recording, like Tom Petty was recording there. A Fleetwood Mac was recording there. George Harrison. I mean, everybody was recording there. And I learned a lot from, from Sound City. And I recorded a bunch of stuff, uh, original things that uh, that I have. And I just put out another album last year of myself. It's, it's called... Uh, uh, a suitcase full of dreams. Ah. And that, that's on my own because, like, I came from Lola Town up in the mountains with the goat <laughs> and cows, you know, and I ended up in Hollywood at Capitol Records. Amazing. And they threw me out. <laughs> and then three years later, I went there and I was signing a contract. I could not believe it. it was like a dream come true, you know. And Pink Floyd was there. I never forget that. Pink Floyd was, we all took photographs on top of the tower. We went to, on the famous Laurel Canyon and we took some photos over there. But that was magic. It, in the 60s, I tell you, this, I'm working on a song right now. The, the 60s, there was something in the air. It was just very magical thing that even the other day I was in the store, Alyssa Lumber store, and I was a, a, a younger guy and an older gentleman uh, the, the older gentleman says, hey, excuse me, aren't you Tony from the Sandals? I recognize your face. I go, no, I can't believe this. <laughs> so, and his son, he goes, my son is very, he's like a completely big fan. And, and he says, can we take your picture? I go, sure. So I posed for a picture and he said to me, he said, you know, I wish that I was in the 60s, you know, like I missed the whole thing. You know, he was 16 years old, you know. But that, that, you know, the 60s was, was a very, very magical time of our, our lives and everybody, for everybody. I don't know, in England also, I'm sure with you guys mm. went through the whole thing, you know, in the 60s. Um, but here in America, it, it was like uh, the war and it was the hippies movement and it, it was just... Uh, Love ins was a love for everybody, you know. It, it was just, it was just almost like being like in a, being there in a wonderful, wonderful place, you know, to enjoy for everybody. But that's anyway. That's that's really the sixties.
back end of the podcast it'd be good to touch base with your, your new material and, and your future plans including uh, one of the recent singles barracuda before then um you're actually originally from italy yes sir yes i was born in a little town called longi pr- province of messina and it's like uh, uh you know very remote up in the mountains and uh, we had no electricity un- until 1957 was amazing. So I grew up, you know, with the lantern in the farm with the cows and chickens. And my dream was to come. My grandfather actually was in America. During everybody immigrated in America in the thirties or whatever, and the twenties or the thirties. And he was at the Elias Island and he came to America. And then he came back to my town and he bought a bunch of properties and he made a farm and, and always, and then my mom was also in America because they were here, my grandparents, they were in Cleveland. So my mom was born uh, in Italy, but in six months she came to America because her dad came here to make the money. And then she got her, my mom and my grandma to come here. And then she, they had more kids and and so they were here. My, my grandfather got deported somehow, something with booze. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> but anyway, so my mom, once in a while, she used to speak English. And I go, wow, what, where is this place? When the hell is Hollywood? You know, <laughs> you know and so I was listening to, uh, to uh, 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 um, those AM record, uh, uh, radios. 
you know, like yeah, like the armies. Yeah, you know? like, uh, so I would get England. I remember I used to get a station from England that would play rock and roll. So I would listen to that up in the mountains, and I would hear, you know, Elvis and Little Richard, and and uh, I was going crazy. I go, oh my God, I got to go to America. I want to play this kind of music because in Italy is different music, you know, the mandolins and and actually I played. Uh, the guitar a little bit before I left, my grand, my my uncle made for me, and um, I learned the magic basic chords. So when I came here, I already knew the basic chords, and then I wanted to get into rock and roll, you know. And and somehow, I'm telling you the story from the start because, uh, if I may, for a second, please. So when I get here, I couldn't speak English. My whole family, except my mom. So we were, I was like 16 years old and I go, oh my God, we're, uh, you know, like I was like in, in heaven to see these huge streets and the cars and the Capitol building. And I was like in heaven. So I had to get a job. My uncle took me to this bakery and um, they would manufacture all this uh, uh, sweets for the morning coffee, you know, like the, uh, like pastry stuff and yeah. bread and all that. So he took me there and I got a job there somehow and I couldn't speak English barely. And I was in this one department where they had like a conveyor belt. They would, all the packages come down. So the first night, you know, this hell broke loose like Lucille Ball, you know, all these things came down. I was trying to get them and I couldn't keep up and everybody was laughing. But anyway, after that, I was there for a while. I um, was allergic to flour and I got transferred. I requested for a transfer to the oven department. And when I got there, I met this fellow guy named Jody Rich. Short guy, kind of looked like Napoleon. Very funny. And he goes, I play bass. And I go, yeah, I play guitar. And he goes, let's start a band. So we started a band called the Starlighters. Then we got a lead singer. And we were working on this one song. We started rehearsing. And we were rehearsing, uh, rehearsing on this one song for months and nothing was happening. I, I put like part of the bridge of my guitar already was a plain like sleepwalk and some American songs. So then we went into a game one night. There was a there were there, uh, football game and everybody was going, clapping their hands. I was going, let's go, let's go. So on the way out, I go, let's go. The song, let's go instead of the late action. It was an instrumental so we, we went in the studio a couple of weeks later and we recorded the song and we called it Let's Go. And that was my big, big Warner Brothers. Let's go. I mean, you remember the song? Let's go. Yeah. It was a huge, huge, you know, especially on the, on the sports.
And and then after that, the guy, the lead singer, disappeared, and we're, we're looking for another member, keyboard player, and we found this guy Larry, and uh, we joined together, and then uh, we had a manager. We found a manager in Hollywood, and he says, "You guys change, go change the name, go, and uh, come back with a new name from Starlighters." So we were standing in the corner. And then somebody said Standells, but that was a Standell amplifier out at the time. And we were afraid that uh, they would sue us, but we went to Hawaii on that name, Standells with one L. And then uh, and we're also standing around. So, and that that's way, the way I started going, you know, with the Standells from day one. So actually I'm the, the original founder, Jody Rich, from Starlighter to the Standells. And that was history. Then we went to Hawaii, and then that's it. And we came back, and uh, we continued, and uh, we found different members. And well, because we had one drummer who was 16 years old, and so when we came back, we continued just me and Larry. We worked really hard, and we played in a lot of clubs, dives. You know, we got mobbed, we got beat up clubs, you know, throwing bottles at us, you know, the the usual cowboy stuff with the heads, you know, just like a movie, you know. But anyway, it happened to me. But anyway, and now I'm still rocking. Well, I'm, I'm rehearsing right now. I've been rehearsing with the guys, you know, because we're getting ready to do to do a show, a major show here in L.A. at an incredible club. I, I won't say yet, but... Uh, and then we're going to go probably in the Midwest. We'll start doing some gigs. So was your first single, The Standouts, You'll Be Mine, someday? Uh, we, we recorded so many songs that was from one extreme to another. It was like Larry would write some of the songs. It was in a completely different direction. And then Dick Dodd came into the band because we were playing at PJs and Gary Leeds decided to go to England and he formed the Walker Brothers. Very famous over you know, here. So he wanted to take me to England. And I just called, I go, Gary, I just came here from Italy. I don't really want to go back like Europe. And so he went there and um, he, he formed the Walker Brothers and he got a good hits and it was crazy. But anyway, so when Gary left us, we got Dick Dodd re auditioning him at PJs and we gave him the job. And uh, and that was history. And then we, we, from there, we recorded with Liberty Records. And nothing happened. We did a live album at PJ's, the Stenell's live at PJ's.
the really interesting thing about the standells, and even in those early years, is the association with TV and film and the monsters. Being on the monsters must have been amazing. Oh yeah, that was crazy. That was amazing because I was like everybody. That must it was so famous that we used to, every now we used to watch it. You know, everybody. You know, in those days it was like you didn't have that many choices. And there was like a Batman and the monsters, you know, those there were there were things that you watched. And then when we got the news it was gonna do I was I was flipping out, you know, going to uh, to new Universal Studio and all that. It was it was incredible. But it was like uh, meeting all the actors and Fred and grandpa and the house and the, it was just like a dream. It was just, it was I could never leave it. It was like amazing. And then we did a Bing Crosby show, and then when I came from Italy, I was in Cleveland, and my grandmother she goes she showed me on TV. This is Benny Crosby. Benny. I go. He was singing in like White Christmas. It was at Christmas time, and I go. Oh my God! Everybody was going crazy on Bing Crosby, and then all of a sudden one day. <laughs> We did the Bing Crosby show, and I got to meet Bing Crosby. It was like I was just like one after the other one. It was just like amazing. So, and then I met some other very major movie stars in in, in my my career. And then we did, uh, you know, tour with the Rolling Stones. I mean, that was another crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm sure (laughs) you. Yeah, I mean, like to. I would say lucky to be alive. You know. I can say that. Now you told me some great acts. Otis Redding as well, I think. Otis Redding, I did the American Bandstand. Uh, I met uh, uh, Jackie Wilson. We did Shinnig. You remember Shinnig's? Have you heard yeah. about Shinnig's? Jackie, it was incredible that night. It was Jackie Wilson, Sonny and Cher. We were all there jamming. And we did the song, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood, Eric Burden did. And I played us. It, I, it's on Shinnig. If you can check it out, he just put Shinnig and Standells on Shinnig. And I played I played my 12 string. And up to this day, it sounds like unbelievable. They, we did it so good. It was like really good. And um, Shinnig, we did uh, some of the, a lot, lot of major, you know, the, uh, the um, um, American bandstands and where the action is. On tour of Bolivia and the Raiders, that was crazy tour. Uh, <laughs> but I have a few stories, you know, here and there. Sometimes I'm so free with the joy that's hard to hide. And sometimes 
live recordings of the the standells there's one which was released in the past decade or so by sundays um the standells on tour and that's got a real mix of your own material hits and then you've got some you also played covers of some other sort of great songs like uh, gloria by them how, how did you um yeah get your set list together i was not too happy about that because we wasted one album playing everybody else's songs uh, we did good, don't get me wrong, but but I played and I did, we did the songs. I think they come out incredible, mm. the hot ones. You know, we recorded uh, Sunny Afternoon, The Kings, and all well, The Kings. I met uh, I met David Davis, which I was honored. We hang out at the, at the Roxy Club one night. It was awesome. And um, we did um, the Rolling Stones, a couple of songs, uh, the love little red book, it was okay. I mean, I enjoyed it, but uh, if it was up to me, I would have done a, you know, more original stuff because I really was getting into, into kind of playing that kind of raunchy music. But then there was three directional. One guy wanted to do his, his songs, the other guy wanted to do. And then Dick Todd wanted to do soul music. I go, oh god, you know, I, I was kind of disappointed because. We had a good directions on dirty water. It's a real mix because, like, um, you're playing in the midnight hour, your own material. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe a bit too varied. Yeah, it, it was like really not necessary. But uh, Dick Todd decided that he wanted to do that. He was a lead singer. As a matter of fact, at one point, he left the band, he left the group, and um, we had an incredible contract with Don Hill Records. Uh, I think it was like uh, two or three hundred thousand. Front, front money in those days. I mean, we went there to sign me and Larry, and the guy never showed up. Dick Dodd, we lost the contract. And guess what? My manager, Bert Jacobs, which I introduced to Corey Wells and, and all those guys that from Three Dog Night, and they got to record an American recording because we were recording there at the time. And so they met everybody there. So they got our contract and there's history. Three Dog Night was born, you know, and we did nothing. We just down the drain because we had, and we got Low George, dig this. Oh. Low George in the, in the Standells for a while. It was wow. unbelievable. And I'm telling you, I still in my guitar, he was playing this one, one song is called Juliet. I never forget the song. I still kept playing it just by picking the guitar up. And we used to do that song. He used to have no shoes. He used to sit on the floor and play his sitar. And it was like one extreme that I went to. So many changes, musical changes in my life. You know, and I wanted to play punk music. We had a lot of requests for this song. Go something like this. Mm-hmm. 
tell you about my baby You know she come around She about five foot four From her head to the ground, yeah You know she come over here Just about midnight She made me feel so good, Lord Yeah, you know she made me feel all right, yeah And her name is G Walking down my street, yeah. Oh god, it looks like Jay Mansfield with a hernia. Looks more like a hernia. She comes up to my house, she knocks upon my door. I said door, not boat. Door. Then she opens up my front door. Oh. It's open. Thank you. And then she comes upstairs to my room. Oh, no. Wait a minute, she forgot something. A pill. No. Vitamin C, like an orange juice. Vitamin C pill. And then she runs upstairs to my room, actually waiting what's going to happen. <laughs> she dropped her pill. And then she opens up the door to my room. Ah, now we're getting there, folks. And then she comes into my room, and what's the first thing she runs into? <laughs> a booby trap. No. Oh, come on. oh, now you got it. Now you got it. <laughs> I know. I know. You're busy listening to football games. Congratulations. Hey, you did all right today too, huh? What was it? Maybe in the Minnesota Jerks? No. But well, you know, they are out there. 
And then she... What are you doing? Room service. And then she comes into my room and she looks at me. And she keeps looking on, looking at me. And she takes out her false teeth and she gums me to death. <laughs> that made me feel all right. a bit more about your, your producer Ed Cobb because he a lot of the singles he wrote we've got a lot of songs of him oh that he written you know but Dirty Water we all wrote contributed it. that's what happened yeah but good guys know worldwide he did that and why pick on me you know Barracuda he wrote a lot of songs that we got you know what you're not gonna believe this but he, he was playing the songs so bad in his guitar they, they, you know, like when he played Duty Water, we he, he played three chord. He goes, I go, what is this? You know, I can play blues all day long, you know. But so anyway, we fix him up. But anyway, he played us Tainted Love, right? Oh. It was so bad, we turned it down. <laughs> I swear, it was so bad, we turned it down. So, but we did we, we did a lot of his songs. Then we did Try It. There was band, some Idiot Ben, the song was number one all over the United States until this one idiot decided to ban because we said, try it. Come on and try it. <laughs> Imagine that. I mean, the Rolling Stone, like there was a there was an episode when they were on Ed Sullivan. You're not supposed to say Mick Jagger, let's spend the night together. Sure. When he got on the air, he go, forget about it. <laughs> He's supposed to say, let's spend some time together, right? It's a great sounding record, though, is Try It. When you hear it now, it's just a really great sounding track. Yeah, thank you. I got a great sound on the guitar, too, on that. The sound I got from that amp was a Fender amp. And then, you know, I, I, had, the, I had this one super reverb, I think, super, uh, one of those twin reverb Fender or something like that. I, I even I got a great photograph of the amp when we played in Las Vegas. Because after PJs, we went to Las Vegas and we played, and it was a dream come true. It was incredible. All right, baby. It's all right. I'm going to tell you something, and you better listen. By the way you look, I can tell that you want some action. Action is my middle name. Come over here, pretty girl. I'll give you satisfaction. But too unneeded for this game. I'll, I'll give you sweet love you never had before. Yeah. You think you've seen it all, but you don't know what's in store. Come on, try it. Yeah. 
figure that it's just a bluff huh. Huh, Don't you dare walk away I'll get you tough little chip Before you fall in love Come here girl, what do you say? Just give the word and my good love and we'll start A silver fever is pitch that's headed straight for your heart, yeah Come on, try, 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 baby pick I mean and that was um, we did one song that I, I have it on the new album it's called Love Me that I've written and it's a really punk music you'll get that when the album you know I'm sure yeah. it's like really a punk mover it's like kids go crazy every time I play a song on stage everybody goes nuts you know it's like jumping up and down we're probably going to release that later on after Good Guys and We're White I would like to because Everybody really loves in the song. But uh, there were still other songs also that we recorded. There was, actually, we recorded one song was called No Milk Today that somebody from England wrote. Graham Goldman of uh, 10CC. Really? Wow. He wrote some other songs, for famous hit songs, you know. But um, we were from, as I said, one extreme to another. But then there was... Um, Another song is called Misty Lane. Mm. You know, that's all the songs really, really kind of incredible. And then we got John Fleck in the in the band uh, because our original bass player quit in, in Florida. And he had a little bit of uh, kind of, he was working with love with Arthur Lee and uh, was looking for a job. And we gave him a job. He kind of played the trumpet on this on this one song, but we were all, all over the place. We recorded, you know, so many different different sounds and, and experiment with different things, you know. So 
Talk about Riot on Sunset Strip. Again, a track associated with film as well. I wrote Riot on Sunset Strip, right off of the movie. Another story. <clears throat> it was like around 10 o'clock at night, I got a phone call from my manager. He goes, you got to write a song. They're making a movie, Riot on Sunset Strip. Uh, and you had to write a song by in the morning. I go, what's going on? So we got down and started playing the guitar and come up with a riff, with another riff, you know. And then I had the song ready for the next day. And then the next day we went, we got the contract and we went to soundstage. That was a 20th century Fox recorder on the soundstage we recorded it. Like early in the morning, i never forget that. I was still asleep, like seven o'clock in the morning, but we had to do it. You got to do what you got to do, you know? Uh, but that was... Uh, uh, because of the hippies and the movements and and the cops on Sunset Strip and uh, they were hitting people with the long hair. And it was another crazy, crazy, crazy 1967, 68, 69. And, you know, Laurel Canyon and, and the move did the doors, and, you know, and the, oh, let me show you this. Look. Oh, wow. So that's the... Uh... The bill with uh, you and the dolls. The doors and the standells right here. And then I got the Rolling Stone poster. Uh, this is wow. Cleveland. Uh, we, we were playing this one. one uh, we played 35 cities, something. How much uh, contact did you have uh, with the Stones on that 66 tour? It was crazy. We actually, we did have 32 or 35 cities, I think. 
including we went to Canada. I'm telling you, that's what I said, like to be alive, because at one point, every night after, we, we were based in New York, uh, we used to fly and do the concerts like in Dallas, and then go back to New York. And um, wherever we went, there was our base. And then we were based in Los Angeles for a couple of weeks also. But um, one night there was, we used to play cards and mess around just, and one night there was a huge amount of money on the uh, on the table. Somehow the end was uh, Keith Richard and Brian Jones. And I think Brian Jones lost big part and he got mad and he put all the cards on a pile. It took a match and he started a fire. <laughs> Can you believe that? Starting a fire on the airplane. The captain came out and says, you guys are crazy. I'm going to land this plane if you guys don't stop. I mean, you know, start a fire. <laughs> you know, start a fire on the plane, you know. Then it was another episode. We were playing in Houston, in Texas, and it was so humid that I remember I just played with the set and I just came off stage. I was sweating like crazy. My shirt was soaked. And then the stones came on, and about 20 minutes in the show, it was so hot. Brian Jones went to the American flag from the stage and he wiped his face with the American flag. Oh, oh my God. We almost got killed. We had to run, run underneath the, the tunnel and escape from the back. It was crazy. <laughs> That was crazy, I'm telling you. So, you know, I mean, you know why they face the American flag, you know, that's that's a no-no, you know, but uh, kind of crazy stuff, you know, when you deal with a bunch of, all of us rock and rollers, sometimes we'll get bored. That's why sometimes you throw a TV off the window on the hotel, because you don't know after a while, you go, oh God, I'm so crazy now. What am I gonna do, you know, do something crazy, more crazy. Strip tonight. I'm not on a stay home trip tonight. Long hair seems to be the main attraction. But the heat is causing all the action. Bright lights everywhere. Pretty girls with long, long hair. But somehow the people, they don't care. Causing a riot It's causing a riot 
Are there any songs that weren't singles by the Standells or maybe lesser known, such as the B-side, that you feel uh, are not as well known that, that should be known? Absolutely, yeah. There's one that's called All Fall Down. That should have been a good single. Love Me, that should have been a good single. There was another one, uh, uh, Our Candidates should have been a good single, uh, but they didn't, they released, they always kind of disappointed <laughs> But you know, I you know what can I do? Yeah. Is that because do you think that they chose your producers' songs a, a bit too much sometimes? Or? Yeah, I mean, some it's amazing. It never always when uh, I have been with the rock and rollers. I mean, talking about this because always you record and somehow you have a favorite song that you want to push and you want you wish that regular prime company would do that. You know, oh, we love this. And then bang, like completely a 90 degrees turn, the regular company would say no. It would have picked something that would never thought it would pick, you know. But we, what can you do? That's That was the way it was, you know, and the, they were picking the, the songs. Sometimes they were right, sometimes they were wrong, you know, but that's rock and roll. What was happening in the group by the, the late 60s and stopping recording? And Did you just split? Yeah. Um, in 1968, as I said before, 68, 69, Dick Todd departed. Uh, he just quit the band. So we were left like completely in the confusion and in madness because we were, you know, ready to record another album with Johnny Hill Records. And that then it happened. So we fell apart. You know, and uh, in 69, in the 70s, um, as I said, you know, we tried with Low George. And then after that, we put a couple other guys, new members in the standout. Um, then uh, Larry got married. He disappeared for a long, long time, 12 years, I think. Mm. And I continue with the standouts. I went to Canada uh, for about six years. I don't know if you know, I play there a lot. Uh, but it was like a devastation. Then we got taken for a ride from the record company, the, the production company. They, they completely, you know, didn't want to pay us. The usual, you know, they they say, oh, no, you sold 10 records, not a million, but it was 10 records, you know, sure. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, a lot of people got taken, you know, in those days, Little Richard, you know, a whole bunch of people.
over time, your music has just um, been more and more revered and you've got musicians that cover your songs and, and you're now known as the godfather of punk rock. How does that feel? Oh, wow, that feels great. I mean, to, to see uh, Bruce Springsteen, you know, do Dirty Water, you know, and it was like incredible. I could not believe it that he did that. that you know, I go, my riff, he's playing, he's playing my riff on the guitar. You know, that's incredible. Uh, it was really, really, some of the artists, a lot of, a lot of artists. I think even you uh, two recorded a, a song from the standouts. Aerosmith, I think. Yeah, Aerosmith, exactly. I did a show at the Whiskey. It was great uh, with the new band. And I got, I'm producing different artists right now also. I'm doing like a... Um, younger kids, I just produced and did a song with the, this one young, young fella from New Jersey. And then I got another guy in, in Columbus, Ohio, and then in Kansas City. I'm dealing with Joyce Skidmore. We're working on that. As a matter of fact, Evil Destruction is coming out soon. We recorded, and it's going to be awesome. The uh, keyboard player from Vanilla Fudge is playing in it. So it's going to be awesome. It'll be great. But, um, yeah, I'm still, like, as I said, we're rehearsing, getting ready to um, to go do some gigs. It seems there's, there's lots to look forward to. Um, you've got a, an album coming up. Is it due for release next year? Dirty Water Revisited. And we've already heard some of that material, including the previous single, your updated version of Barracuda. Oh, all right, good. I re- I really like, I think Barracuda came out great. It really got this 60 sound, you know, like in my telecaster and the and the keyboard here. I have like it was uh, uh I I managed to get that out that that sound, you know. I have some tapes. I use I used some uh, do you remember those um uh, Alisa's made this uh, this recorder? Yeah, you could record it in cassettes. Huge cassettes. Uh, ah. I record on that, and then I transfer. It's called the A Dat Alisa's. Yeah, the Dat, and then I transfer to um, Pro Tools stuff. You know the new stuff. At the, so I get the sound, the warm. You know the warm from the tape, and, and uh, the funkiness uh, from my guitar and this little amp that I use is amazing. And I didn't even use a huge amp, just a small amp. But I love I love um, Fender's guitar amps, you know, I'll do all kinds of uh, experiment with, uh, with the guitars. And um, I'm always doing and fixing guitars and, you know, the writing, recording, and um, all that, that's my life. I got a beautiful daughter, she's 20, she just turned 27. Brianna Bellissimo. <laughs> I'm very proud of her. She lives in San Diego, and um, I'm divorced now. And um, but that's uh, music is my life. I spend years and years of, of playing. You know, my fingers, they, my arm is about to fall off. You know, I play the guitar for so many. It's not stopping you though. Yeah, can't stop. You know, that's great. I mean, what a way to end in, in terms of the fact that. You know, we're looking forward to uh, a new album. You're, you're preparing live dates and uh, a back catalogue that stretches 60 years. A huge thank you, Tony. Oh, wow. I really appreciate it. I'm, like, so honoured. I mean, lately it's been, like, very humble. You know, I, I honestly, maybe because 
I didn't want to stop. I just, mm. you know, you don't give up. You know, you just keep insisting, and then, and then you get to a point where everything falls in one place. You know. <laughs> How Oh, bravo, right. bravo. What can I say? Bless you. Thank you. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much for this opportunity. You're really wonderful. And I hope. Someday, if I come to England, we'll get together, we'll go for a tea. We gotta get us, we have a you know, yeah, meeting, a, jo a joyous meeting.
thank you for listening to the Strange Brew podcast. If you do like the show, please consider a small donation to help keep the show archive online. It's 10 years since I started the podcast and hosting fees are increasing over time. All your support keeps the show running and helps me get amazing guests. To support me, just go to thestrangebrew.co.uk where you'll see a donate button on the homepage. Thank you very much. Plus, any reviews on your podcast services help to spread the word too. Thank you.